Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning again, and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you, the pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. We're at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi, and we'd invite you to come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. You can go to our website at macedonia-pbc.org. And also on behalf of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and their pastor, Joe Nettles, we'd invite you to visit them if you're in the Caledonia area area on Sunday mornings also at 10.30 a.m. And then we also have a worship service on Wednesday nights in Starkville, Mississippi, beginning on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. And if you're on Facebook, you can go to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, like their Facebook page, and you can tune into live streams there. We'd also invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can find churches closer to you. And also be sure and download Grace Alone radio app, gracealoneradio.net, to listen to 24-7 Primitive Baptist content, sermons, singing, scripture reading, and very beneficial content for you. This morning, we'd like to discuss prayer and how we ought to be praying unto God and some important lessons on prayer. So we hope that you can stay with us here on the program, and we'll bring that message to you this morning right after this song. So please stay tuned here today. Oh 
Welcome back to the Gospel of Grace. We'd like to return to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue to consider the model prayer, the model disciples prayer as the disciples ask Jesus' instruction, Lord, teach us to pray. So we want to learn the lessons that Jesus gave the disciples as we hope to be disciples of Christ in how we ought to pray. And this morning we'd like to consider the first two phrases of this model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name, and then thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We'll begin reading in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 9 again. We'll just read the whole model prayer for you again. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we see at the beginning of this prayer, as with any letter, you address the recipient, right? That's what you would do if you would write a letter. Dear Sally, dear Tom. Well, how do we address our prayer? To our Heavenly Father, our Father, which art in heaven. We begin our prayers by saying, dear Heavenly Father, just like we would address a letter to our Father, to our Dad, to our Abba Father. You'll notice the collective term, our Father. We don't just pray individually. We're praying as a family. We're praying with our brothers and sisters in Christ to our Father. And it's really hard for me to emphasize just how radical Jesus saying this simple phrase of our Father would be to these first century Jews. Because the Jews put such a priority on God's name that they were afraid to even say God's name. Jews in the Old Testament, they were certainly not allowed to approach Jehovah God with such intimacy and closeness. They were actually forbidden even saying the name of Jehovah, Yahweh, aloud. And if you were forbidden from even saying the name, they, they hallowed his name, but they put it to such a degree that they approached the name of Jehovah like Mount Sinai that they were afraid of it. And if you touched Mount Sinai, you'd die. Well, Jesus brought us to a closer intimacy with God. Yes, Jehovah's name is to be hallowed, is to be reverenced, is to be honored, but we don't approach it like Mount Sinai, that we can't approach unto it, we can't touch it. That's how the Jews viewed God in the Old Testament leading up to this first century when Jesus delivered this Sermon on the Mount. They would have never considered God as their father in this type of an intimacy of a relationship so I can only imagine the eyebrows that went up when Jesus made what to us is a very simple statement, our Father which art in heaven. Think about the statements that Jesus made later in his ministry where he said, I and my Father are one. The Pharisees said just from Jesus saying Father that he was equating himself to be the Son of God. Well, actually, he was the Son of God and that is what he was affirming. And it's very bold and audacious for us to take the title of our Father in approaching the sovereign God of this universe, isn't it? That's audacious. But it's appropriate. Why? Because we're his sons. We're joint heirs with Jesus. He's our elder brother. And we are sons of God by adoption and by election. So it appears to be very audacious for us to approach God with these 
terms, especially to these first century Jews. But what does that mean? It means that we are the sons and the daughters of God. It means we've been chosen and we have that relationship with God. And it's just amazing the intimacy with which Jesus says that we can approach the sovereign God of this universe. And his name is to be hallowed, but praise God, he is approachable as well. It actually says, Jesus actually clarifies a little bit later in his ministry in Matthew chapter 23, that we actually shouldn't call men on earth father. There are some religious denominations that call priests and call religious leaders father. Well, that's inappropriate, according to Matthew chapter 23 and verses 9 to 11. Why? Because we reserve that term for our father, which is in heaven. Jesus says you don't call men your father on earth. No, you call God your father in heaven. That That is a a special term that's reserved for God. So we have this great intimacy to approach God as our Father in prayer, but we always need to be reminded of the appropriate placement <laughs> that he's the father, but we're the child, you know? Uh, sometimes the children might become very close friends with the father, and that's good, and that's great. But at the same time, there also needs to be a distinction of leadership and authority and respect between the father and the son. So what's the very next thing after our father? Praise God for the intimacy that we have with God as our father, but he's in heaven, <laughs> Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2 says, God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. That's a good thing to be reminded of from time to time, isn't it? God's in heaven and we're on the earth. He's the sovereign God of this universe and I'm an insignificant speck of dust. Therefore, we approach his name with reverence and hallowing his name. And that doesn't mean that we aren't allowed to speak freely with the Lord. Lord, let, therefore let thy words be few. Instead, we just need to approach him with reverence and with honor. We don't have the right to approach God and demand anything of him. You know, we're told in Hebrews chapter four, praise God that we have a great high priest that was tempted in all points as is we are. We're told that in Hebrews chapter four and in verse 14, seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm thankful that we have an open invitation to boldly approach the throne of grace. I'm thankful for that, but we also need to be reminded that there is a king that sits on that throne. And especially in olden times, think about Ahasuerus having to hold out the scepter to Esther. Think about all these kings on the throne and you didn't have the ability to just show up and speak casually with them and be disrespectful in their presence. No, we need to be reminded when we pray unto God that we are approaching a throne and you know who sits on a throne? A king sits on a throne. So we need to approach him with reverence and humility. God's in heaven and we're on the earth. He's on his throne. He's the king and we are his servants and his subjects. We need to keep the proper perspective. And that's why we need to start our prayers in that way, don't we? Instead, oftentimes we approach the Lord demanding things. Lord, this is what I believe I deserve. This is what I need. This is what you need to give me. We don't ever have the right to demand God to do anything. 
Instead, if we have the proper posture, we bow down before the throne. That's the proper posture before a throne, isn't it? That's the proper posture when you come before a king. You don't come with pride and with a haughty attitude before a king. No, you bow down when you're in the presence of the king. And that's how we approach God in prayer, don't we? We bow down in prayer. We know we don't deserve anything. He's in heaven. We're on the earth. We bow down before him. Why? Because that's what you do before a throne. I'm thankful for the intimacy of access that we have, that the middle wall of partition has been removed, the veil of the temple has been torn down, where we have direct access. We are kings and priests, and we have the ability to enter in the holiest of holies and commune with God. Praise God for that. But we also need to be reminded that we are approaching a throne, and there is a king that sits on that throne. And we need to approach it with great reverence and with great humility and with great respect, because we don't have the right to show up before God and say, Lord, this is what I deserve, because we don't deserve anything. That's why we say, thy will be done, right? That's why we say, Lord, give me what I need, not what I want. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we approach God in worship. We oftentimes don't think about prayer as an act of worship, but it is. Worship is ascribing worth, worth-ship, ascribing worth to God. And if we're praying in the right way, prayer is an act of worship. Hallowing the name of God is an act of worship. Hallowed means to be exalted, to be referenced, or to be honored. We don't have time to look into all this this morning, but just do a little Bible search sometime, particularly in the Psalms, about all of the references to how God's name is to be praised and exalted and honored. We need to approach God with that same reverential praise and respect. You know, our entire life is supposed to be about the glory of God and the exaltation of God. And if that is our aim and that is our goal, then our prayer should be reflective of that, shouldn't it? Everything we do, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And we need to approach our prayers with that same aim, to hallow the name of God and glorify the name of God, even in our private devotions in prayer. So now the next phrase, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. We're told in Matthew chapter six and in verse 33, to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, he said there in the eighth verse in Matthew chapter six, before we've made our way into the model prayer, that God, your father knows what you stand in need of before you ask. And then he goes on to say in the remainder of Matthew chapter 6, why are you fretting about your life, about your raiment, about your food and your drink? Why are you fretting about your daily bread? Which, by the way, (laughs) if we're praying in the manner that we ought to, we're praying early in the morning to give us this day our daily bread, we shouldn't spend the rest of the day fretting about where our daily bread is going to come from, should we? (laughs) No, we should live in faith right? If we put the kingdom of God first and foremost in our prayers and in our life, if we've prayed as we ought to, Lord, provide for my family, give us this day our daily bread. Well, the remainder of Matthew chapter 6 says, well, you don't need to be worried about that. Take no thought for your life and for your raiment or for your food, because God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the lilies. He takes care of the grass. So why do you doubt that he's going to take care of you? No, you just serve God. You put the kingdom of God first and foremost. You pray the prayers like you ought to. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Trust God in faith. And the Lord's going to take care of that, isn't he? 
But when we put a priority on the kingdom of God first and foremost, he says, God's going to provide for your needs. All these things shall be added unto you. And that sets the priority for every area of our life. We seek the kingdom of God first. We should have a kingdom priority. And if we have a kingdom priority in our entire life, obviously that kingdom priority should be reflected in our prayers, right? If we put the kingdom of God first and foremost in every area of our life, we should be praying for the kingdom of God first. It should be organic. It should be natural. That should be a natural expression of us putting the kingdom of God first and foremost. We need to pray for the growth and the advancement and the strengthening of God's kingdom. We need to pray for our individual churches. We need to pray for our sister churches. We need to pray for those that are outside the church that are burdened with sin and burdened with work salvation to come in, for God to open doors for the gospel. We need to pray for men to be raised up to preach the gospel. We need to pray for laborers to be sent into the kingdom. We need to pray for open doors in the kingdom. We need to pray for the kingdom, for God's kingdom to come. But ultimately, we have to pray for God's will to be done. We submit to God's kingdom. We submit to God's will. And this presents the appropriate posture and the appropriate priority, not just in our prayers, but in our life. The higher priority you put on the kingdom of God in your prayers, I believe that will also be reflected in your actions. The higher priority you put on God's will and you voluntarily submit to God's will in prayer, then it'll be much easier to do that in your life as well. In a practical sense, you have this situation, you have this job, you have this relationship, you have this circumstance that I believe this is the best outcome. Lord, allow this to occur, but your will be done. And then you realize, if you've lived long enough like I have, you realize that many times your will and God's will are not the same thing. I think I need something, but actually it's just a want or it's a preference. But God knows what I actually need. And he also knows, you know what, this might be a good thing for me. But God knows well enough that I may not be mature enough in my discipleship right now to handle prosperity. I may not be able to handle this pay raise. I may not be able to handle, according to God's word, and to use it prudently, this pay increase. I might waste it. You know what, God knows me better than I know myself. And if you've crossed those bridges where you've said, I think this is the best thing for me, you're like me, just very quickly tagged on, nevertheless not my will but thine be done. But many times in the past, I didn't mean it. I wasn't submitting to God's will. I was just saying, Lord, give me what I want and that's my rubber stamp for God to give me what I want. Well, when we've crossed that bridge, I have learned that there are many times that God's will for my life is not what I thought was best. When you cross that bridge, when you reach those moments, I think this is what's best for me. God closes this door emphatically and makes it evident this is not God's will. What do you do at that point? What do you do at that point? That's why you need to be truly learning to submit to God's will, that God knows best. Even if I don't know, God knows best. Why? Because he's my father. You know, children hopefully mature, but for the most part, children are dumb. Children make dumb decisions. They don't understand the scope of life. They don't have the wisdom of years and the wisdom, unfortunately, of making mistakes to know 
This is the outcome of this course of action. They don't have the wisdom to know that. But you want to know who has that wisdom? A father does. You know, it's not the father's responsibility to explain to the children 100% of the time, this is every reason that I'm telling you this is not in your best interest. Now, as you're teaching your children to grow and mature, it's very beneficial to explain those things because they need to learn to think through those things themselves and make mature, godly, spiritual decisions themselves. But it's not the father's responsibility to explain to the child every single time he tells a child what's best for him, why it's best for him. Because many times the child in their immaturity would not agree or will not understand why it's not in their best interest. And many times when our will contradicts with God's will, with what I want, contradicts with what God is giving me what I need, many times people turn on God and say, well, that means God doesn't love me. He's not giving me what I want. Well, you know what? There's probably a reason for that. Instead, God's giving you what you need. That's why we have to trust God as our Father first and foremost, and submit to the fact that he knows best. <laughs> Father knows best. Our parents know best. We trust them, but we especially trust our Heavenly Father. God's will is best. And we need to pray according to God's will. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, if we pray anything according to God's will, he heareth us. You know, God doesn't ignore you when you pray. God answers every single prayer. God answers every single prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, or not now. And no and not now can be difficult. And that's why we have to know that God does hear us. Even if the Father doesn't believe it's in our best interest to have this right now, we have to trust His will. We have to trust His knowledge above our knowledge. We need to pray, James chapter 5 and in verse 15, if the Lord will, we will do this or that. I've learned as I've went, on, went along in life, when I make plans, I better put Lord willing on there because things change. Things can change fast. And I can have every intention of doing something, but I have an obligation that comes up. I have a sickness in myself or in a family member. There's a, a lot of different things that can hinder me from what I intend on doing. That's why it's appropriate to say, I hope to be there, Lord willing. If the Lord will, we will do this or that. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. You know, when we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, that those verses there in Romans chapter 8, verses 25 to 28 there, where he's saying, look, when you can't even speak properly, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. But how does the Holy Spirit make intercession for us? According to the will of God, which by the way, isn't that comforting? <laughs> that even if I don't pray like I ought to, according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit is always praying unto God the Father according to the will of God. So even if I don't pray like I ought to, the Holy Spirit is essentially saying, forgive him for not praying like he ought to, but Lord, still give him according to your will. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit cleans up our prayers in that way. It's so important for us to submit to the will of God in our prayers. I saw this quote a long time ago, and I believe this is just such a, an appropriate point in this context. And this quote is, prayer is not an exercise to get man's will done in heaven, Prayer is the way for God's will to be done on the earth. And I'm going to read that again for you real quick, emphasizing the first half of it. Prayer is not an exercise to get man's will done in heaven. Prayer is the way for God's will to be done on the earth. And that's what we want prayer to be. Let's just be honest, Kindred. 
We just want prayer to be an exercise to get man's will done in heaven. The majority of the time that we pray, we are trying to impose our will on God. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I don't think I'm the only person that does that. <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves, the majority of the time we are trying to impose our will on God instead of saying, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, we are the clay. Lord, have your own way. Lord, have your will be done. Prayer is the way for God's will to be done on earth, not for us to show up to the throne of grace and say, Lord, this is how things ought to go. This is what you need to do for me. And then people get upset when God doesn't give them what they think they ought to have. The majority of the time, the reason why is because they're approaching God with the wrong posture. They're approaching prayer with the wrong perspective. We don't have the right to show up to the throne and point at the king and say, this is what I need done, do it right now. <laughs> no, in olden times, back in Jesus's day and in the Old Testament, that's a good way to get your head chopped off. You don't show up to the throne and point at the king and say, this is what you need to do for me. No, you show up with humility, bowing down before him and petitioning for the king's intervention and help. We submit to God's will. And by the way, that's why we need to pray for the kingdom of God first, right? We put God's kingdom first. We put God first. We put his will first. And then we have the appropriate mindset. We have the appropriate posture. We have the appropriate priority as we are now getting into our personal petitions for our daily needs. But prayer is not to obligate God to do something for us. Prayer is us lowly Mephibosheths falling down at the feet of King David and saying, we are nothing but a dead dog. Please have mercy on me. Okay, that, that's what prayer is. And we need to be more conformed to God. We need to be more conformed to his image. We need to be more conformed to his will. And that's one of the main purposes of prayer is for us to slowly being refined with every action of life, with every circumstance of life. We see God's will is better than ours. We are constantly being refined to be a vessel that's more meat for the master's use. And hopefully over time, we can see that God's will is better than our will. God's way, God's timing is always better than our way and our timing. Can't tell you how many times I've been disappointed because something didn't work out the way that I thought it ought to work out. And now that I've had enough time to see things play out according to God's will in the manner that they ought to, I can say along with a great theologian, Garth Brooks, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Why? Because I was praying, as it says in James, to consume it on my own lust. I was praying, not according to God's will, I was praying because I was dead set convinced that this is what's best for me. God said, this is not what's best for you, and I just plumb didn't like it at the time. But now I'm learning to see that God's will is always best and God's timing is always perfect. God answers every prayer in yes, no, and not now. And now I'm starting to see some of those not nows be answered. And God has given me enough clarity to see that his will is always perfect. It's always right. And there's a reason why he said not now five years ago. There were some things that needed to happen. And I can see God's providence and God's guidance in that. Submit to God's will. Remember, prayer is not an exercise to get man's will done in heaven. Prayer is the way for God's will to be done on the earth. And we need to pray for that. We need to pray for God's will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. We hope that you can come back with us as we continue to go through this model prayer and hope God will bless our time in studying this together. And until we have that opportunity to meet with you again, we pray God will reach the blessing.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling